Hey, Travis Rogers here. When you're not listening to me on the Lakers pre- and post-game shows, tune in to The Experience with Laferne Cusack, where she goes beyond the play and focuses on athletes, fans, and the biggest events that inspire and shape our community. Listen to The Experience with Laferne Cusack, Sundays, 5 to 6 a.m. ESPN LA 710. Did you know that there are 6 million people suffering from paralysis in the U.S.? That equals the combined population of Los Angeles, Philadelphia, and Washington, D.C. 1.3 million is the number of people suffering from spinal cord injuries in the U.S. And 21 seconds is the frequency someone suffers a brain injury in the U.S. Next Step is an internationally recognized nonprofit that makes life-changing rehab accessible and affordable to those living with paralysis. Learn more at nextstepfitness.org slash ride for paralysis. That's nextstepfitness.org slash ride for paralysis. Get involved. Join them on the road or donate. ESPN LA 710. Hey, Johnny Corey, the founder of Next Step, and I'm extremely excited to announce that on March 10th, I'm going the adventure of a lifetime. I'm riding my wheelchair from Manhattan Beach, California, across the United States to Washington, D.C. The goal of our L.A. to D.C. ride for paralysis is to raise awareness, raise funds, and educate and inspire. There are many ways you can get involved. You can get on a bike and join us on the road. You can participate from home by starting your own fitness challenge. You can donate, sponsor, and also help spread the word. In the meantime, please stay tuned and I'll keep you updated on our progress. Also feel free to reach out to me with any questions or if you want to get involved. I'd also like to thank some of our key partners and sponsors, Vineyard Vines, the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation, Brawn Ability, Permobile, Boed Corp, Bottle Keeper, Urban Glamp, and our amazing creative team at Pelican Iconic Creative. Thank you so much for your support, and we hope you join us on this amazing, epic adventure across the United States. ESPN LA 710. Welcome to ESPN LA. I'm Laferne Cusack. I'm here talking with Yanni Corey. He's the founder and president of Next Step. Welcome to the show, Yanni. Thank you so much for having me. I was talking to you briefly before the show, and I was telling you how much strength and uh, love you have. And that's one thing that I celebrate. Tell us about Next Step and how this came about. Yeah, so um, 12 years ago, I got injured in a just a freak diving accident. Um, I was living in um, Hermosa Beach, California. I was playing volleyball and I went for a swim and I dove into a wave and I hit a sandbar. And I was instantly paralyzed. It was a fracture of my C5 and six vertebrae. And uh, I spent, uh, you know, I was rushed to the hospital, and um, they told me, my doctors told me right then and there that you know, I had no hope for recovery and I would never walk again. So obviously it was a very shocking and traumatic experience, and uh, you know, instantaneously your life kind of gets flipped, uh, turned upside down, and uh, you don't really know what to do. And uh, Yes, and situations happen and change what your reality is. How long were you in the ICU? I spent two months in ICU, and uh, through... After I was in ICU, um, while I was there, my girlfriend, now wife, Susan, started researching rehab centers around the country to see where I was going to go to do my rehab. And uh, we soon came to find out at the time there was no progressive rehab in the state of California. And that was kind of very eye-opening, terrifying thing. So we didn't really know where we were going to go. But we got very lucky um, through a friend. Uh, we got introduced to Dr. Susan Harkema at Fraser Rehab in Louisville, Kentucky, and she's a preeminent a neuroscientist um, rehab specialist in the world. And she's actually the one who worked with Christopher Reeve when he got injured. Mm-hmm. And um, I was very fortunate to, be, have the, to have the opportunity to go do my rehab under her in Louisville. How were you able to do that? Well, the reason I was able to do that was because I had really good insurance and I had the financial means to do it. Um, and we started thinking, like, what are all the other people that don't have those means, that don't have great insurance, uh-huh. what are they doing? Because those resources aren't available, weren't available at the time in California. Right. So, luckily, I got to go work under her in Louisville, and um, I had an amazing experience. And my recovery um, was uh, far beyond what the doctors ever expected. But it was only because I had access to the best rehab in the country. Mm-hmm. And while I was there, 
I also started looking around and I saw so many people in the hospital that didn't have access to that same rehab in the same hospital that I was at. It's only because their insurance didn't cover it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where the idea for this step started is why don't we take what they offer at the best hospital-based rehab center, take it out of the hospital, and put it into a community setting so when your insurance drops you or if you don't have good insurance, you can still have access to the best rehab in the world once you get kicked out of the hospital. So you saw a need and started the process. Yeah, um, so we started, we built the first community-based center in the country that offered um, all the therapies that I was doing at Fraser Rehab, including locomotive therapy, functional electrostimulation, and all the other activity-based therapies. Um, we opened that in Los Angeles 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, our goal and mission is to um, make sure that people with all sorts of physical disabilities have access to the best rehab and fitness for their entire life. You were an active swimmer. You you were athletic. Yeah, I was very, you know, I played football in college. And uh, after college, I was yeah, very, I was running 25 uh, miles a week and swimming every day and playing volleyball and skiing. Yeah, so I was, in, um, I was in great shape. So that's probably one of the reasons that I was able to have a um, you know, good recovery out after my injuries because I was already, I was in good shape and I understood the importance of fitness. So once I started my rehab, I was already used to working out on a day-to-day basis. So I think that definitely, not only physically, but mentally helped me a lot. So how long was it from when uh, the when you had your accident to the ambulance coming and, and taking you? Did you did they have to airlift you out? Yeah, so I, uh, after I hit my head on the sandbar, I was probably floating out there for about a minute. And luckily, a gentleman um, on the beach saw me out there floating, and I was fortunate that somehow I flipped on my back, so I was able to breathe. Mm. Um, and then he pulled me to safety. And then at that time, um, you know, the lifeguards at Beach came and uh, they grabbed me. And then, you know, the, you know, the ambulance came and the fire department was there and, uh, and they rushed me off to the hospital. So from the time of my accident to the time I was in the hospital, was actually relatively quick, probably, I'd say, a half hour or so. Oh, that's great. And, and did they contribute that as well to your recovery? Um, well, actually, you know, the unfortunate part was I was in the water, so I ended up with really bad pneumonia, and I was in the ICU for two months, um, So, and I coded two times, so I was, you know, fighting fighting for my life for two months, and you know, that, uh, that definitely, you know, had a, you know, in essence also hurt my recovery, but, um, but I was fortunate that, you know, that gentleman and the lifeguards were there to help me out very quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Could have been a lot worse. Yeah. And I'm asking this because I had a, a friend who was at the gym and he was an avid like bodybuilder and an athlete and he was doing leg lifts and had a stroke while he was doing that and he got airlifted out. And talking about insurance, it like bankrupted his family and he was in a wheelchair um and unfortunately he recently passed away but he he fought he fought very very hard and uh but i know the financial strain and the insurance part of it is is so troubling and uh for you guys to bring this to awareness is is uh is fantastic so Tell us what happened afterwards in, in regards to getting help and the insurance. What was that process like? Yes, yeah, so I was very lucky to have um, really good insurance through the company I was working for. Um, you know, but um, at the same time, um, you know, the only way, the only reason I was able to go to this rehab center in Louisville um, to get the therapy that I needed was because you know, we financially were able to do so. You know, I just bought a house in Hermosa Beach, but I had to, you know, obviously I wasn't working anymore, so I wasn't getting paid. My girlfriend, she had to quit her job, so we weren't getting any money in. Um, and we, you know, she moved out there with me. She had to rent an apartment. I lived in the hospital for six months. Luckily, my insurance covered all of that. But without that, you know, I would have been in real trouble. 
you know, I most likely would not be here today because of you know, my health issues at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, my heart goes out to, you know, all the people out there that don't have access to good insurance because the financial, like you said, the financial strains of this are so astronomical that mm-hmm. the vast majority of people just, you know, it's very tough to live with it. Yeah. You know, from nursing care to rehab to all your medical equipment to your medicine, um, kind of all of the above. And it's, you know, when you're living with paralysis, whether it's a spinal cord injury or brain injury or MS or CP or Parkinson's or whatever it may be, it's very hard to go back to work. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, you're living on very limited financial means. So most people end up having to fundraise um, just to, you know, just to uh, pay their bills and pay their nursing and pay their medical costs. So it's, uh, yeah, it's extremely challenging. So can you talk about, like, you know, the the thought process of an athlete, which you are, um, how did that go into taking on the challenges of, you know, your health, you know, your, you know, time in the hospital. Can you talk about some strategies that you used to get through that very difficult time? Yeah, no, absolutely. Having that funny background was a huge help, not only like being in shape when I got injured, but also having that, you know, you know, the mental fortitude to, you know, work hard and um, in my rehab, but, you know, you know, I think my, my uh, you know, wife, you know, within, you know, just a couple of days of uh, my injury, you know, the doctor said, you know, I know for recovery and these are statistics and so forth. And you know, my wife just said to me, you know, we're not a statistic, like don't listen to the numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can fight through this. And I kind of took that mentality the whole way and moved with it. Yeah. You know, a couple of weeks, I just started thinking to myself, I was always been a very positive person, but I just thought to myself, like, do I want, you know, there's nothing I could do. I got injured. No matter, I can't dream it away. I can't think it away. It happened. Mm-hmm. So now moving forward, do I want to live a happy life or do I want to be depressed? And I know I want to live a happy life. And I knew that this was an opportunity for me to take this challenge and, you know, give back. It was just finally, you know, it was kind of like a, I got punched in the face to kind of wake up and they always knew that I had the ability to make a difference, but I never did anything about it. Mm-hmm. So this was kind of my opportunity to um, make a difference uh, in the world. And that's kind of like the attitude that we took from, you know, soon after my injury and, you know, till today. Yeah, most definitely. And Yanni, tell us about when you started rehab. What did you have to go through, or what was the first step that they took to help you in your journey? So first was getting me healthy and get me out of ICU, and that took a couple of months. And then we got airlifted to um, Fraser Rehab in Kentucky, and I was actually the first inpatient, um, I, I believe, in the country. I was allowed to do uh, locomotive therapy, and that's you know, the most progressive therapy for people's spinal cord injury. Um, and in essence, with locomotive therapy, you are in a weight-bearing harness over a treadmill, and you have trainers on both legs, one on your hips, and then you have one operating the, the, the machine. And uh, basically, the trainers take you through a walking pattern, and through that walking pattern, you're retraining, you're retraining your nervous system when it's like to walk again. And uh, the first time they got me up on the treadmill, I passed out in six seconds. Mm. And then we, we waited a few minutes, and I passed out in 20 seconds. We waited a few minutes, and then I passed out in 30 seconds. Uh, but then the next day we did again. And, uh, you know, I passed out in a couple minutes, but soon after, within a few days, uh, my blood pressure started getting better. And, um, you know, within a week or two, I was stepping for an hour at a time, five days a week. And that's really... Um, you know, what I believe uh, led to my, um, you know, what I consider very successful recovery. Right. So did you pass out because your body was in so much pain? You you mentioned your blood pressure. Um, yeah, it was my blood pressure. And, uh, you know, the spinal cord injury affects your circulation, your blood pressure. There's so many things uh, within your body. It's not just, you know, most people see somebody in a wheelchair and they think it's things that, you know, they can't walk, but the secondary health complications that come along with paralysis are uh, extremely serious. So 
other um, health issues if you don't have access to good rehab. So I was very fortunate um, that that was the case. But also the other thing was having really great trainers um, really was at the end of the day what, you know, um, is why I'm here today and um, why why I've been able to recover. Now tell us about the trainers. I know a lot of people talk about how you have to really vet your trainers and physical therapists, uh, what do what should we look out for um, in a therapist or a trainer? Well, somebody, if I'm now speaking specifically to people with paralysis, um, you want them, you know, traditionally, you know, physical therapists. And you know, the thinking back in the day was that, you know, once you have a spinal cord injury, there's no hope for recovery. But they've now proven that through research, there actually is hope for recovery even years after your injury. So back in the day, like most physical therapists were focused on paralysis because they didn't think they could really help people. But now given that they've proven that they actually can, um, you know, more physical therapists are going into that field to really want to work with a therapist that has been trained in neurological, you know, rehab. Because that background, traditional PT, it's very different, um, you know, traditional PT versus, um, you know, PT that, um, neurological PT. There's just it's a you know, different background, so you definitely want to work with somebody that um, has a neurological background. The way you progress a client is very different than just somebody with you know, you know your typical let's say ACL tear versus a spinal cord injury. Um, totally different ways you progress somebody, and you want somebody who has been trained specifically to work with people with paralysis. Mm-hmm. There aren't many of them, so. Mm-hmm. And with your organization, Next Step, tell us how you started up the organization and how it journeyed into what it is now. Yeah, so while in rehab, um, uh, you know, I, I learned a lot about the, you know, the challenges that people are facing. One, like we spoke about insurance, and on average today, insurance only covers 36 days of hospital-based rehab. Then people are sent home and then they don't have access to any type of rehab or fitness for the rest of their life. So that was like the number one problem. And then I learned that there's 6 million people in the United States that live with paralysis. It's a huge amount of people right. that don't have access to a continuum of care. So that's really where the idea came for Next Step is, why don't we take what they offer at the best hospital-based rehab center in the country out of the hospital, put it into a community setting. So when you get kicked out of the hospital, you still have access to all that great rehab and fitness for your entire life within your own community. You shouldn't have to move to another state or another city, mm-hmm. pay exorbitant, exorbitant amounts of money just to get the rehab and fitness you need to recover and live a healthy life. So that's uh, that was the basic idea when we started Next Step. And uh, through friends and family, we raised a million dollars, and we built the first built the facility in Los Angeles, and we just took all the stuff they offered in the hospital. Like I said, but in two community settings, so everybody in the SoCal area uh, living with paralysis can have access to the services they deserve and need wow. to live a long, healthy, and happy life. And you know, our goal from day one was to expand to communities across the country. And since then, now we've expanded. So now we have about seven facilities in the United States: in uh, Los Angeles, Atlanta, Phoenix, Las Vegas, Raleigh, Orlando, and Kansas City. And then we're opening our first international facility um, in the next few months in Kiev in Ukraine. Wow. And later this year, we'll be expanding to New Zealand. Oh, that's fantastic. Okay, so how do you do that? How do you take it from here, from Los Angeles, from the United States? How is it going to be implemented overseas? So, for example, in the Ukraine, we partnered up with a great nonprofit called Revive Soldiers Ukraine. And they've been sending their soldiers that get injured in their war to our facilities here in the United States for the past, you know, four or five years. Um, and they, you know, the recovery these soldiers have been seeing has been really uh, miraculous. So they just started talking instead of, you know, shipping their soldiers over here. Why don't they build something in the Ukraine? And that's literally how it started. And the uh, founder of that organization, um, you know, raised the money and is uh, building the facility there. Wow, that's great. Yeah, and a lot of nonprofits, uh, I think that it's great where you guys hook up and, you know, you share the same goals, but also can expand your network with 
each of the energies that you have. A lot of nonprofits stay in their own little bubble, which I think is you're you're spinning your wheels. But if you have partners come on, that helps expand your mission as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's. Uh, I was very surprised to see how much competition there is in the nonprofit world, and yeah, uh, I think there's too many organizations doing trying to do the same thing. Right. Um, so I'm a big believer in collaboration and working together. Yeah, I can't. Um, you know, me and my team, we can't solve this problem on our own. Right. Um, so we really believe in uh, working closely with other organizations and um, like-minded individuals that are trying to make a difference. We're not doing this to uh, make money and. Uh, the only reason we're doing this is just try to help people, and um, there's no better way than to work together to get to the bottom of this issue. Yes. Uh, this is ESPN LA 710. I'm Laferne Cusack, speaking with the president and founder of Next Step, Yanni Corey. And Yanni, you are also expanding what you are doing by riding across America for Ride for Paralysis. Tell us about that. Uh, yeah, so I am riding March 10th. I'm leaving California. I'm riding my permobile power wheelchair as well as a wheel uh, electric wheelchair made by Bill Corp from uh, yeah, Manhattan Beach Pier all the way to Georgetown University, uh, my alma mater in Washington, D.C. And uh, our goal is to obviously raise funds to help us expand to new communities across the country. And we'll be giving away quality of life grants um, as we go along the way to different individuals and organizations. Uh, but also raise awareness about the challenges that you know the six million Americans living with paralysis are facing. But also as we go through these different cities and communities, um, you know I'll be meeting with individuals and organizations and trying to educate them and also you know raise awareness about the importance of these types of services and resources. Um, and the importance that they need to bring these resources into their communities so the folks that are living with disabilities in their communities have access to the resources that they need and serve. So, yeah, I'll be, uh, yeah, it's a two-month journey, um, you know, riding my wheelchair wow. along the way, and I have lots of friends and supporters riding bikes alongside me, and uh, we're also filming um, a uh, full-length documentary about the whole trip. So, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I'm extremely excited and uh, anxious and nervous at the same time. Uh, yes, I can imagine. Tell us how you worked out the plan of your journey, like uh, stopping in cities. How did that go about, the, the logistical side of it? Yeah, it's, it's still a work in progress. But, uh, um, yeah, it's been just a day-to-day grind. Uh, you know, I've got a great team, um, my marketing agency, Pelican, and uh, um, you know my, my staff at Next Step, and we've just been all coordinating and you know, the first thing I looked at was the weather mm-hmm. and also what's the most direct shot from here to D.C. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of how we planned. I'm taking Route 66 um, straight through the country and uh, visiting lots of different cities that I've, um, you know, never been to. So I'm excited about that and really excited to see the country from such a unique uh, right. you know, perspective. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, honestly, you know, I've been using Google Maps and, They've got a great bike app there and just following the bike routes across the country. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be, uh, yeah, a lot of it, you know, it's going to happen on the fly too. So mm-hmm. a lot of it will be weather dependent. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, I've got a great team with me, but it's been, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, you definitely have to be flexible, especially when, you know, like you say, it's there, the weather is out of your control. So, uh, how many are going on the team team with you? What does that look like? Yes, I've got my uh, buddy Nick Good, who's going to be filming the whole adventure and driving the car. My nurse um, is joining with me, Nina Browser, and then uh, a bunch of friends are taking different legs. So, we'll probably have twenty or thirty people riding me day one to Anaheim, and then I've got a bunch of friends riding bikes to uh, Joshua Tree, where we're doing an event, and then. You know, I'll have at least two or three or four bike riders for each leg of the journey, so it's going to be pretty exciting. And then we're doing different uh, charity events at the different cities that we are visiting. Go to nextstepfitness.org, and all the information for Ride for Paralysis is there. 
Tell us about some of the things or the people you are teaming up with. I, I know the um, w- the Wounded Warriors pro- Project is tracking your ride. Yeah, they're gonna, they're uh, they're helping us out, and uh, they'll be activating their local offices along the way. And um, I'm excited to you know we you know service a lot of vets at our facilities, and I'm excited to meet some of the vets and um, give away grants to some of the individuals that we meet and just learn about some of the challenges that they're facing and uh, hopefully be able to help them out. And again, like I said, raise awareness and, you know, the, you know, the vets face a lot of the challenges when they get home. And yes. I know some of the VAs are doing their best, but I know we can collectively do better to help them out. So that's, uh, that's our goal. And we're also working you know, very closely with the Christopher and Dana Reed Foundation. They've been a big supporter of Next Step since day one. And uh, so I'm, you know, grateful for everything that they're doing to, raise awareness and uh you know along the journey yeah and you say you say you're talking about grants and giving grants away can you tell us about your grant process and uh how you go about giving them away and how people can take part in that as well yeah so typically we don't we do uh they're unsolicited so we identify individuals and organizations that um that you know we would like to work with and help out so um, it's just an internal process where we uh, do our research and find folks that you know we think are um, you know deserving and organizations that feed you know, fit our mission and uh, you know, we, we reach out to them and uh, work together try to help them out as much as we can. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a process, especially with grants. I know you you have to have a, a great grant writer and all of that. Some people are like, okay, let's start a nonprofit. And then they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know it was so much work. <laughs> yeah, it's been, uh, the grant writing has always been, you know, challenging for us. We've had some success, success and we've definitely had some, uh, you know, grants that we've written for that haven't been successful, but it's, uh, yeah, for any, anybody who's in the nonprofit world understands how challenging it can be and what a process it can be. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's something that we'll continue to do, but it's uh, yeah, it hasn't been easy. Yeah. Now, there's also the side of nutrition for you or, or for someone with paralysis. Can you talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. Nutrition is, is vital to uh, you know living a healthy life, and especially with paralysis, because obviously you're spending the majority of your time in a wheelchair, and you know just as an able-bodied person walking around is. Obviously, it's extremely healthy, but when you're stuck in a wheelchair, um, getting you know your cardiovascular exercise and those types of things is uh, can be challenging. So, making sure that you eat healthy is uh, is vital. And obviously, you know when you're not walking around and you're not you know, uh, you know living the, the typical able-bodied life, um, it's very easy to you know gain weight, and uh, it's challenging to keep that weight off. So you uh, yeah you have to eat healthy and watch what you eat. And, also, because of you know, a lot of the medication that people have to be on, whether it's blood thinners or whatnot, you have to be very careful about what you eat because it can affect, um, yeah, it can affect your whole system drastically. Right, right. Um, and how do you maintain like muscle mass and your metabolism? Uh, work. You know, I'm, I'm fortunate because I have access to next step on a day to day basis, so you know, I'm working out at least you know, two hours a day, four days a week um, at, a minimum, at a minimum. So wow. I'm fortunate, you know, because I've, I have access to all the therapies and the equipment and my trainers. So, uh, you know, I'm able to maintain my good, you know, muscle mass. But, you know, if you don't have access to that yet, yeah, it, it can't be challenging. And obviously, depending on the level of your injury, it gets even more difficult. You know, if you're a complete injury versus incomplete, and, you know, what you have access to, it can be, it can be very tough for some folks. But, um, yeah, if, you know, if you don't have access to a facility like that, it's, yeah, you just, unfortunately, you, you just need to figure it out, you know, mm-hmm. uh, um, and take, you know, make the best of what you have. Right. And, you know, working out at home or finding a local gym and finding a trainer there to help you out, you know, you just, but it is very important to um, exercise and eat healthy. Otherwise, yeah, you're going to, there's a very good chance you're going to suffer from a life threatening threatening secondary complications. Yes, yes. I'm very aware of some of those complications. Um, So, Yanni, you serve 
other people as well. I see um, Parkinson's as well. And what are the yeah really any kind of any kind of neurological condition? So spinal cord injury, brain injury, stroke, MS, um, CP, Parkinson's. Um, yeah, anything really any kind of neurological amputees as well. And how do you how are you able to uh, structure next step to be able to help? So we are a uh, partner of the Christopher Nadine Foundation Neuro Recovery Network. And initially, um, that was a consortium of the five top hospital-based rehab centers. And when we started Next Step, we um, spoke with three foundation about starting a community arm to be part of that network. Okay. Um, and now there are about eight or nine community-based facilities that are part of that same network. So we're very fortunate because we have access to the top doctors and researchers in the world. Wow. And they are constantly educating and training our staff in regards to the best way to apply you know, the therapies and the interventions wow. to our clients. And every year we have a national annual summit with the Neuro Recovery Network. And, um, and we have, you know, bi-weekly phone calls, um, you know, with, the, with all the different physical therapists and the researchers um, around the country. So that's, you know, we have that amazing platform. So we're constantly our our staff has access to all the latest and greatest when it comes to uh, neuro rehab and so forth. So uh, it's just having access to, you know, great information and mm-hmm. all the latest in research. So it's, uh, it's, it's kind of great. It's amazing because, you know, basically we've created this, it's come full circles now, whatever happens at the clinical setting, all of that research now, not only does it get applied to um, patients in the hospital-based setting, but now, once they get out of the hospital in the community setting as well. Wow, that is fantastic. It, it feels like you guys have a strong foundation to continue to help people all over the world. Yeah, we're, we're very fortunate. And, uh, you know, like we were saying, that's our goal is to continue to expand. So everybody not in the U.S. but across the world has access to the rehab and health care that, you know, that they deserve. And, uh, you know, we don't want to do it on our own. So we're always looking to partner with like-minded organizations that, you know, I believe in, believe in that same mission. Yeah. And uh, I mentioned uh, Parkinson's. My, my mother, she had Parkinson's. And I see that, you know, there are, well, as, as a daughter, as a daughter, um, <laughs> uh, you don't know you don't know what to expect. You don't know what you don't know, right? So what are some things that you think as a caregiver, what should caregivers know? That's a great question. Um, I think, you know, the one thing is that, uh, you know, there are great resources out there and there is support out there. And I think a lot of times, uh, you know, also people are afraid to ask for help. And that's yes. kind of what we're trying to act at as well as we're trying to be a resource for everybody. So even if you're not a client at Next Step, we want to be a resource center. And as of the Christopher Dana Reed Foundation, um, they've got experts there that are willing, case managers that are willing to help people out at all times. Because as you know, this, you know, Parkinson's, you know, with your mother, it doesn't only affect her, it affects you and your entire family and all of her loved ones and her entire friends right so it's uh that's also what we really try to do is be that support factor not only for our clients but for their family members their caregivers and you know so when they for example you know if your mom was to be at our facility and you came in there with her there'd be lots of other people in there that are taking care of their loved ones Mm -hmm. Um, and it gives you the opportunity to speak with them and learn about their experiences and you know educate yourself more just by having contact with other people who are going through the same thing that you are so that's you know kind of try to build um, that type of support system as well mm-hmm. um, so you know as a caregiver I would say you know don't you know ask for help and reach out to organizations like ours and the Reed Foundation and others and uh, there's support out there um, you know for you and other people yeah, I think that was one of the uh, things that I found is that people don't want to ask for help. You know, you have you have a, a family member that's going through some things, and they're 
they want to be strong or, you know, for my mom, she was older. So she's like, I don't need help. I don't, you know, and then it's like, well, you, you know that they need help and you're willing to, to do it and you're willing to help. But then there are just some people that just, it's ingrained in them that they, they're not going to get any help. How do you move past that? Yeah, you know, unfortunately, I don't think there's an easy answer to that. You know, everybody needs to, everybody's going to go through, you know, their fight um, the way they want to go through it. Mm-hmm. And all you can do is be encouraging and you know, do whatever you can and try to support them as much as you can. But, you know, everybody's going to, uh, you know, take it on however they decide to take it on. But the reality is, once they do, um, see what that, you know, what's out there. The one thing we always see at Next Step is a lot of our clients will come in at first, you know, down and out and depressed because, you know, they don't know what to do uh, moving forward. And, you know, it, it, life seems bleak. But then when they come in the doors and they see all these people that are getting healthier and getting more independent, getting stronger and recovering and going back to work and starting families and going back to school and living a happy life, Mm-hmm. You know, it's extremely encouraging, and you see a light bulb goes off in their head and say, you know, that could be me too. Right. And you really quickly see the mentality change, and so it's not just physical, it's also mentally um, extremely beneficial for them. Yeah. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I'm stubborn, so I understand that. <laughs> you know, if your mom's stubborn too, I get it, and we see it all the time, but all you can do as a, a daughter and a caretaker is to be as encouraging and you know, um, show them what's out there and show them what is possible. And hopefully that will uh, motivate them to, uh, you know, take advantage and, uh, you know, fight the good fight. Yeah. Lead by example, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You have to lead by example. Yeah. 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 That, it's it's really interesting that a, a lot of caregivers as well, they, they think that they can take on everything. Like my father, he tried to, you know, no, I could do it. I I could do it. I could do it. And but they don't know that they need the help as well, so they can stay healthy in order to continue to help their loved ones. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you can't. You're absolutely right. You know, and uh, it's tough. You know, like I said, it's these type of things. You know, you know, you're, you know, your mom's Parkinson's. I'm sure you know devastated you, and it's challenging for you and your father. And, um, and, you know, you want to be there, but you also you know, need to live your own life and uh, be happy as well. So, uh, like you said, you you need to reach out for support. And uh, um, so you can also, you know, simple things like having free time. Like I you know, see we see some of our, um, you know, I think one of our, you know, our clients, uh, uh, the, the son got injured and the mother is the caretaker. And. What she found next up is great because that gave her two or three hours a day to herself. Mm-hmm. Where she could drop off her son and then she could go run errands or go to the gym or spend time with her friends and have a little bit of time for herself so she can maintain. Um, you know, when you, if you're caretaking 24 7, it's, uh, you know, it can be extremely challenging. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, um, what are some of the things that you do at uh, Next Step to help with that? I know you have you know, um, people that are there to, you can talk with, what other things do you, do you guys do? Yeah. You know, honestly, um, the, the number one thing is we have just an absolutely incredible staff that is just so positive and, um, you know, our staff is friends with all of our clients and they do activities outside of the facility. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've really built, built this, you know, family with the next step and, uh, I think that is by far like the best thing that we offer is, is that support network. Um, you know, when our clients and their family members come in, they feel like, you know, it's family in there and we'll do whatever needs to be done, um, to help them out. Whether it's, it can be simple things like, you know, one of our clients is trying to find a car. We help them, you know, find a car. They're looking for a nurse. We do everything we can to help them get a nurse. They're looking for, you know, we, you know, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. um, we try to help them, you know, A through Z through this prop, you know, through this process. Um, because there's so many things that, you know, when we got injured, we had no idea what to do. Mm-hmm. We didn't know where to go get rehab. We didn't know how to find a nurse. We didn't know any of these things. 
and we were just scratching and clawing, trying to figure that out. While my wife and my sister-in-law Tracy, and my father, and um, you know, we had to figure it out all on our own. So we want to, you know, take that stress away from people and be that support network and be that resource for them. So you know, they can come to us with any questions that they have, mm-hmm. and not just you know, at our facility, but anywhere in the country, we want people to reach out and. Again, you you were an a- active athlete. Um, do you still do that? Do you still play volleyball and all of that? Yeah, you know, honestly, I don't do it the sports anymore. I'm just my uh, you know that was I don't want to say it's my past life, but I'm still a big sports fan. But uh, you know my you know my focus and my energy is you know turned into next step, and you know I'm working out like I said you know two hours a day, and uh, so I'm very active from that perspective. I'm not actually playing sports. I went skiing for the first time uh, a year and a half ago, and uh, you know that was fun. But uh, you know, my, I'm really just extremely focused and dedicated to my mission with the next step and um, allowing that to grow. So, yeah. But you know, I'm very active. You know, outside of the facility as well, with you know socially, and you know, my wife and I love to travel, and so I do a lot. But uh, playing sports is uh, uh, not what I'm doing yeah. too much, anyways, these days. So that's actually another reason. You know, that really got me excited to do this trip is part of my injury. I was very spontaneous and, you know, I love adventure. And uh, so that was one of the reasons I was really excited about doing this trip is to, uh, you know, I was kind of, I don't say midlife crisis, but yeah. a point in my life where I was seeking adventure yeah. you know, after 12 years after being injured. So wanted a little bit of a thrill in my life and uh, mix things up. So that's one of the reasons I'm doing the ride yeah. selfishly as well. <laughs> Or non-selfishly, because you're helping millions of people around the world. Um, yeah, but I'm also very fortunate that I have loyal supporters and friends that are, you know, helping me raise money that's allowing me to do this trip. You know, without them, I would not be able to do this. So I'm truly grateful for that. Yeah. And again, it's Ride for Paralysis, and you can find out more on Next Step Fitness. Dot org. See how you can take part, meet up around the country on uh, your trip and uh, participate. So with you have a great website. So are you going to list all the places that you're going to stop? Um, I know you said that, you know, some some of it will be on the fly due to weather and all of that. How is that process going to go? Yeah, all that you can find that uh, um, you'll find the website. But if you go to nextstepfitness.org um, backslash ride for paralysis. Um, that's the website, and I'll also be a blog that we're continually updating um, in the map, and everything's on there, and you'll be able to uh, track me live as I go, go across the country with my friends, and uh, also you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at NextStepLA, and there'll be daily posts, um, and obviously we'll be doing lots of uh, you know stories and uh, Facebook Live and videos and so forth, so yeah. there'll, be, uh, yeah, there'll be lots of content to follow, and yeah, please, we'll be doing lots of fun charity event and we're doing a charity concert in Nashville on April 30th and uh, one of our sponsors is a company called Bottle Keeper we're doing a bunch of things in Phoenix and Nashville and Raleigh and uh, just some other great events so yeah please do follow us and come join us if you'd like uh, we'd love to have you I saw on LinkedIn several times there's this young boy who was told that he was never ever going to walk and he took his first steps like last month and his brother caught it on camera and you know you were talking about oh you'll the doctor say oh you'll never walk again or this or that and the doctor said the same for this young boy tell us about that when you were able to stand yeah so I uh, probably about three months in when I was still inpatient at Fraser, my doctor came in one day and um, said, hey, why don't you uh, try wiggling your toe? And I'm like, why? Because <laughs> I, I had zero movement. And he's like, why? He's like, yeah, just try it. Like, All right, you know, this is pointless, but whatever. <laughs> and, uh, and next thing you know, he looks at me and goes, I'll do that again. And I'm like, why? He's like, 
uh, just so you know, uh, you just wiggled your toe. Wow. And I'm like, no, nah, you're full of it. No, I didn't. And uh, then he you know, pulled the sheet up, and, uh, yeah, I saw my toe wiggle for the first time, and it was uh, truly, you know, obviously, like, everybody on the floor and all my trainers, everybody's going nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because you're, you're always waiting for that moment. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been, at that point, it had been five months, and, you know, I had no movement whatsoever. I could move my arms, and that's it. Um, so when I, when that happened is, you know, obviously I knew at that time that what I was doing was working and, uh, I knew that there was hope and I didn't know, you know, at the end of the day, I didn't know what my recovery would be, but I knew there was hope for recovery. And uh, so it was extremely, you know, motivational and it definitely lifted my spirits. And, uh, I don't know exactly how long after that, two, two, two and a half years or so after that, um, yeah, I was able to uh, take my first steps with a walker and, uh, walk across our facility and, uh, you know, I continue to improve. I'm still not walking independently, but I can't take steps and walk with a walker in the facility. But, uh, you know, I continue to get stronger and uh, my movement and my recovery, you know, 12 years after my injury continues to get better. Um, and But it's only because I have access to, you know, great trainers and, mm-hmm. um, you know, therapies and uh, the equipment that uh, I do. You know, without it, you know, I wouldn't be walking or doing any of those things. So, um, you know, that's, that's our mission. There's a lot of amazing people that are, uh, you know, working out there to help us, you know, help us out. And uh, I'm just grateful for that. What did it feel like for you to be able to do that? You know, it was, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing. You know, I've, um, I'm healthy. You know, my immune system is great. I almost never get sick. Um, and, yeah, I'm, you know, I have my nurse that comes in the morning to shower me and get me out of bed. But the rest of the day, I'm completely independent. I get myself to bed. I drive. Um, and, uh, gee, I really have no complaints and, uh, you know, I love what I'm doing. Um, you know, career wise and, uh, I have lots of great friends around me. So a beautiful, wonderful wife. So life's good, you know, and, uh, you know, hopefully one day, you know, my mission, obviously my goal is to walk again, but you know, until that day, uh, you know, I'm happy. Yeah. Yeah. And for people that may have children, uh, that have paralysis, how do you approach that or what would you say to them? Yeah, I would say, you know, we work with uh, children a lot at Next Step in all of our facilities and, uh, you know, get them to a facility like ours or similar to ours. And, uh, you know, there are great, you know, trainers out there that want to work with children and can definitely help them in their recovery process. But also with children, it's extremely important that, you know, if you watch some of the videos of the kids at our facilities, you know, having fun and playing with the kids while they're at the facility is extremely important. Um, you know, as, as children, kids should always be playing and having fun. So mm-hmm. we kind of take that mentality into our, um, you know, work with them. So, you know, if you watch our videos, you always see they're playing different games and having fun while they're doing yeah. uh, their rehab and their workout. And, uh, yeah, you can see the smile on the kids' faces, but you also do see the improvement. And, uh, but it really comes down to, the trainers and um, how they work with the you know work with the kids and you know they really have to be passionate and fun loving and treat the kids like kids not like a patient. Yeah, exactly. Because kids are like they're really resilient. I go back to me saying you don't know what you don't know. I think kids have a way of knowing the possibilities and just living in that joy, like you say, that they're playing and they're having fun doing it. You know. <laughs> Yeah, they don't want to feel like they're going to a hospital every day, you know. Mm-hmm. They're going to a fun gym where they're working out with fun trainers. Um, and almost like they don't even realize that they're, you know, rehabbing or working out. They're just there to play and have fun. Um, so that's kind of like what we are doing, you know, very serious rehabbing workouts. We're making sure that it's uh, fun for the kids. Yeah. So tell us how we can take part and volunteer and, and help Next Step. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, awareness obviously is extremely important for us. So, uh, you know, please follow us and uh, spread the word. And um, I think it's just really important for people to, you know, know, as an able-bodied person, for example, in L.A., you probably have 20,000 or more gyms, whether it's, you know, your typical gym or it's, you know, Pilates or whatever it may be. Or you can just hop on a bike and go inside. You know, when we started Next Step, there was not a single facility like that. For people with disabilities in LA, 
Mm-hmm. And luckily, there are a few more. Um, so I think it's just really important for people to understand that. And if you're living in a community that doesn't have a facility like that, um, yeah, we always encourage people to speak up and reach out to us and let's find a way to, uh, you know, build these centers has access to uh, the fitness and health and wellness services that they need. And as for the ride, um, anybody is more than welcome to hop on the bike and join us along the journey. Um, but we're also encouraging people to take on their own personal fitness challenges at home um, and raise money and raise awareness and support the cause. So if you can't hit it, join us on the road. Yeah, you can take a fitness challenge, get creative and make up your own fitness challenge and uh, you can support us that way. Yeah, that's so, that's a great idea. When is your documentary going to come out, do you think? Yeah, we'll, we'll be done May 15th and then we'll go on to post-production. So I'm not exactly sure, but uh, we'll definitely keep everybody updated on that. But I'm assuming you know, a few months after the journey's done. Okay. Well, this has been really, truly inspiring. If you have any words of wisdom for someone that may have uh, gone through the same thing that you you have, what would you say to them? Well, our motto next up is a Finnish word called Sisu. S-I-S-U, and it means courage in the face of adversity and um, acting rationally in the face of adversity and uh, never complaining. Um, and that's kind of the motto that I take um, and all of our clients and our staff take to heart. And it's something that we you know, I focus on on a day-to-day basis because it's not always easy. And, you know, you, but, you know, you can live a happy life. Um, you just got to stay motivated and, you know, reach out to other folks out there. If, uh, you know, if you're struggling, you know, there's, uh, there's support out there. And, you know, we want to help, but, uh, you know, just keep fighting the fight. Um, you know, that's all I can really say. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for all that you're doing and all the people that you're helping. And good luck to you on your ride for paralysis. Thank you so much. Yanni Corey. You're welcome to join too. Ah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. I am not as athletic as you, but I can take my son out <laughs> on his bicycle and ride around. <laughs> Perfect. Yes. President and founder of Next Step, Yanni Corey. Yanni, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much. ESPN LA 710. Next Step's goal is to open up Next Step paralysis training centers across the country to ensure an improved quality of life and a continuum of care for this underserved population. Learn more at nextstepfitness.org slash ride for paralysis. That's nextstepfitness.org slash ride for paralysis. Get involved. Join them on the road or donate. I'm Laferne Cusack, and this is ESPN LA 710.